to your podcast and I can't wait until you get to the Persephone episode. Thanks, buddy. Hey everybody and welcome back to When God Was Queer. I'm your host Dakota St. Clair and I'm joined by the two best co-hosts in the whole world. Vince Vance. And Daphne Malfitano. I just copy Vince now. It's just easier. It was honestly, it was radio host worthy just now. That was butter. yeah. We, that, was that was so good. sane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's jinx now. So yeah, so um, never good. P.S. Don't name your fucking cat that, or you'll suffer. Yeah. Anyway, um, so speaking of <laughs> suffering, today's episode is about Persephone. Just <laughs> gotta wait for the segue. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Uh. Um, so I imagined like a segue, like the thing that the guy drove off the cliff on, like just a the, segue. The founder and creator the founder, of the segue rode one off a cliff, and they were he's like, "Got to wait for the segue." And he's like, ah! yeah. like, that's just an instance in which, like, how do you not believe there's multiple multiple dimensions? Because mm. like that's such an absurd thing to happen. It's amazing. There has to be a timeline where like everyone's like, "Yeah, what? Why?" Why would that, what? Why would that ever happen? But it's so beautiful. It's like so beautiful. It's like beautiful in a sci-fi way. It's so poetic. It's like this rich fucking asshole, like, you know, his own, whatever gave him the power, taketh the power away as well. You know, it's like, it's a perfect circle. I think we all want to see Frankenstein kill the doctor. Exactly. You know. It's a beautiful circle. I love that story. I, I mean, in one way, you could say that that segue sees the means of production. Yeah. It did, kind of. Yeah, it did. So, anyway, um, today we are going to tackle Persephone. So, I want to hear from y'all your initial perceptions, thoughts, feelings. What did you think when you were a kid? Did you ever want to change your name to Persephone? What's good? Yes. Yeah, totally. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I think she's one of the first Greek names where you're like, oh shit, that's a Greek name. Because mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Hera, you're like, okay. Zeus, you're like, all right. Yeah. Even like Helen Athena. of Troy, you're like, I guess. Yeah, you're like, cool. Yeah, Helen. Even like yeah. Athena, you're like, I could. And then you hear fucking Persephone, Persephone you're like, hello. Yeah. That says no. That says Persephone. Persephone. I don't know what anyone else is talking <laughs> yeah. about. Um, but no, I feel like uh, definitely, uh, like definitely a favorite early. Uh, story was too cool. I, I think it's probably the story I liked the most. I was super into um, it as well, yeah. Pomegranates are still my favorite fruit, probably from my introduction to that story. Because um, I already liked the way they taste, and then I was like, oh, yo, this story is one of the coolest stories ever. Time to have a favorite fruit that's tied to it. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think super impactful. I think ultimately Persephone is very much so, like, tie, like the relationship between Hades and Persephone. Um, or at least it's romantiz- romanticization. Um, 
is like heavily wired into the way that I view partnership, mm. um, like unavoidably. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that is that. Also, isn't it so? Like the poppies are part of this story, right? Mm-hmm. Are she in a field of poppies when she? No, is that her? Is she around poppies when she so gets? Poppies snatched? are secret to Demeter. And yeah. she's in a field of flowers, and there's a lot of, um, I don't know if it's pre-Raphaelite, I know it's Renaissance depictions, where it started to become very popular to depict her to in a field of poppies. poppies because yeah. of her mom. Yeah, I feel like the book I had as a kid, that was like all my first impressions come from, uh, because that was like literally the first time I heard all of these stories. I feel like it depicted it that way. Like, it, they were, you know, it, they were, like, illustrations, like a graphic novel, kind of. But, like, I feel like it was... Because I... I com- that's completely, like, intrinsically linked for me mm, to this story. Yeah, yeah I, I think also... I think for a lot of us that were super into Greek myths as a kid, and then watched The Wizard of Odds, and yeah, they totally. had that... Then it's the similar. field of poppies, and you're like, yeah. hmm, something bad's about Where's to happen. Where's this coming from? I yeah. knew. <laughs> as soon as I saw the field of poppies, I was like, y'all are fucked. Like this is I don't know what's gonna happen, but it's bad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Cool. So I want to do our episode just a touch differently today. We're gonna start with origins and evolution. Myths where a goddess is abducted and taken to the underworld are actually pretty common in the ancient world. The first of these that we have evidence for comes from ancient Sumeria, and it's the abduction of Ereshkigal by the dragon there's like a dragon who's kind of like the dragon and her being forced to become the queen of the underworld against her will which accounts for her fucking attitude um (laughs) there's also parallels in the stories of Addis, adonis and osiris in her ancient greek worship the location of her abduction was of prime importance and this location was always changed based on where each cult called home Although the Homeric hymn to Demeter mentions the plains of Nisa, this place was a magical chthonic land of myth that was supposed to re- like represent the remote past. So it wasn't a real place, right? So I want to talk about her origins and evolution a little further. So let's start with the Near East and Minoan Crete. One of the most common theories for Persephone's origins is her being the continuation of the Minoan great goddess. One of the key characteristics used as evidence is dancing. The goddess is often seen appearing above dancers, and ancient dance floors have been discovered along with vaulted tombs. It's thought that the dance was an ecstatic one. Other images which confirm this show women dancing among flowers with the goddess, Persephone, emerging from the ground or floating at their center. Wow. Another factor which seems to confirm Minoan roots is Demeter's role as the poppy goddess, as we mentioned previously. And then we go to Mycenaean Greece. (laughs) There is evidence of the mysteries in the Mycenaean period. However, the cult was private, and there's no detailed information that we can access. In the Mycenaean Greek tablets, dated circa 1400 to 1200 BC, there is frequent mention of two queens and a king, and this is thought to, re- to refer to the precursors of Demeter, Persephone, and Poseidon. Most of the information that we can look at comes from the study of the cult of Eletheia, the birth goddess, at Crete, and the cult of Despina. Eletheia 
was connected with the birth of the divine child and the cult of Enesidion, the Earthshaker, which is the chthonic aspect of Poseidon, hailing from Mycenaean Greece. Their daughter is Despina, which was long used as a euphemistic name and as an epithet for a goddess who could not be named. Of course, this is Persephone. Mm. Okay. Then we evolve to Rome. The Romans first encountered Persephone in Magna Graecia, which is the Greek settled areas of southern coastal Italy. In 205 BC, Rome officially syncretized Persephone and the Roman goddess Libera, who, along with her male counterpart, Liber, were strongly tied to Ceres, the Roman Demeter. There was also conflation between Proserpina with Ariadne, the wife of Dionysus, and Dionysus was syncretized with Liber, uh, the Roman god. In Magna Graecia, we have more evolution, um, which obviously kind of, I maybe should have put this first, but in Magna Graecia, there was a city called Locri, and in Locri, Persephone was worshipped as the protectress of marriage and childbirth, although this was the usual role of Hera. Children were dedicated to her, and brides brought their wedding dresses to her for blessing. Diodorus Siculus called her temple the most illustrious in all of Italy. Persephone was one of the most popular topics for Locrian Pinakis. Pinakis were tablets made of painted wood, terracotta, marble, or bronze, and they were used as votive objects, and they were also seen in burial chambers. And Locrian Pinakis form one of the most important categories of historical objects found in Magna Graecia, serving as religious icons and works of art. Archaeological finds like this show that the cult of Demeter and Persephone was widespread in Sicily and Greek Italy. Hmm. Then we go to Orphism. There is significant evidence from both the Orphic hymns and the Orphic gold leaves that Persephone was one of the most important gods in the tradition of Orphism. The Orphic gold leaves were inscribed tablets or metal leaves, and they were buried with the dead to help the deceased enter into a blessed afterlife, and Persephone is regularly mentioned in these inscriptions. This blessed afterlife was said to be the sacred meadows and groves of Persephone. Other gold leaves described her as the goddess who would receive and shelter the dead. As we previously mentioned, remember Zagreus, in Orphism, Persephone is said to be the first mother of Dionysus. Yeah. And then, of course, this spread out to a ton of local cults all over Greece. She really, really made the rounds in Greece, and she also became pretty big in <coughs> Rome. But we'll get to her Roman nature in a bit. Let's talk Greek. Um, we're going to do purview and domain now. So mm. we gave your, your kind of initial impressions what do you believe she's the goddess of? Because I feel like of all of the gods, like the major gods, Persephone is the one that I think people struggle with the most in terms yeah, of like, her, what is she the goddess of? I mean, she's obviously like the underworld queen or the, uh, you know, but like what? Yeah, I don't really know. I realize I have no idea what's like actually her territory. Yeah, I've heard there's like, I've heard flowers, I've heard spring, but I don't know if that's really more her per or the her actual purview and or people just interpreting the story um yeah i was gonna also say like queen of the underworld um something about the i feel like in a lot of the stories she's that she's the one that kind of uh ends up either receiving souls 
um, kind of as like a welcome to the underworld kind of situation. <laughs> um, or if anyone gets out, and probably why she's so important in Orphism is like if anyone gets out, she's usually involved because she's usually being like, come on, Hades, let him out. She wrangles. Um, yeah, so it's like, uh, I feel like it has something to do with like, I feel like she, my my guess is that she has more chthonic like kind of roles than she does yeah. anything above ground. But this I think is... if there is something about above ground, it's like rebirth, spring, flowers. Well, yeah, I guess that makes sense. I mean, I do see her as being like other, like uh, compared to any of the other gods that would be down, you know, down there. I feel like she seems the most like still half in, half out of the like living world. Like, you know, just uh, you, like in a, in terms of like youthful or like like you know, I think if Hades is so like almost like a corpse or something, you know, he's like not uh-huh. you know not even not really fully human at all anymore in or I- even in appearance, and she has more of that, I guess, because of like when she was taken. It's like I think of her as like young well, and like that's you know the thing. A lot of people get confused about what her purview is because they're like, oh, she's the queen of the underworld, and it's like, okay, after she was taken, what about before that? Right. What was she her was deal a goddess? Then? So what was yeah. she? of and then yeah. does that still count or does it only count when she's right. above the surface that's what's or, confusing it's like right. is she not is she now just like you know Hades wife like is it just it, when you get because if because a lot of the time in these types of hierarchies like in royal families also like once you're like bought by one of the main dudes it's like your whole previous thing doesn't really count anymore like you were like the princess or whatever of some other place but now you're the queen of this other place like your your whole previous princessdom and like whatever that country is or whatever doesn't really count anymore now you're just the queen of this new country that you don't even speak the language like you know what i mean so i can see why it's it's confusing to all of us (laughs) so in terms of purview and domain before we can get to that we do have to just clarify there are multiple names for this goddess we've kind of already said that with despina Despina. another one is kore k-o-r-e now there is significant evidence that kore daughter of demeter and the maiden goddess of spring and nature and persephone the queen of the underworld were originally separate goddesses they would have been eventually conflated and we know that that had to have happened before the 7th century BC because that's when Hesiod began his theogony by then her purview would have then basically included both of those goddesses right they would have been melded which means her purview would have been spring flowers death life vegetation and destruction why destruction well most of the etymological theories to her name, because it's not very clear, basically mean that the meaning is derived as she who brings destruction. Whoa. This is not... That's cool. Right. Yeah, uh, sure is. This is not some sort of anomaly, by the way. In fact, as a nature goddess, the Orphix saw her as the primal force which both produces and destroys everything and in doing so linked her with other great goddesses like isis and rhea liminal chthonic goddesses like hecate and pandora and allowed her to stand on the same footing as her mother demeter very similar to her mother like i feel like they're uh what they symbolize and what they represent is like very similar in terms of the cycle of life and death and rebirth Mm. You know, that's kind of interesting. It's like they're obviously very connected. And it does make sense to me completely. I'm sure, like, probably to a lot of us. Like, it makes sense that the underworld queen would also be, like, the spring goddess. Like, I don't know. It just makes sense. It's like, it's like uh, bookends. It kind of yeah. it works mm. nicely. 
So there has she, to be course, a fresh flower for it to then like wither and be a dead flower. You know, it's like you right. Need and both she's both sides. She's, she's both. Ends. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So she's the goddess of spring and nature, spring growth and grain and all of those things, right? But she's also the goddess of the underworld. And as the goddess of the underworld, she had multiple roles. In both ancient mythology and literature, she was often called dread or dreaded Persephone. Yeah. She was the undisputed queen of the underworld. And there is significant evidence that in certain periods and or traditions, it was forbidden to speak her name, the same as with her husband, Hades. This is drawn from her conflation with Despina, daughter of Demeter by Poseidon, whose name only means the mistress of the house and is an honorific title given that her quote-unquote real name could not be revealed to anyone who had not been initiated into her mysteries. In an alternate version, which is kind of metal, she's the goddess of death because she's the daughter of Zeus and Styx. Oh. oh, but that would obviously not be the springtime at all, right? That's no. going to be a hundred percent death. That's just yeah, like just death. Yeah, right. <laughs> in Homer's Odyssey, Odysseus sacrifices a ram to Persephone, and the ghosts of the dead drink its blood in order to gain the power of speech. So she was involved with a lot of things, right? So death. She. This is very much um, as a goddess of death itself. That's when she's the child of Zeus and Styx. In terms of necromancy and ghosts, you have the the ritual that Odysseus does in her honor, not Hades' honor, in order right. to conjure up the shades of the dead. Hades and Persephone presided over the oracles of the dead and the rites of necromancy. It's important for everybody to make a distinction here that necromancy as a term originally indicated divination by communication with the dead. It wasn't until the Middle Ages and the Renaissance that it took on many more connotations of the dark arts, quote unquote, and the taboo involving malefic, harmful magic, zombies, cannibalism, and the like. Interestingly, this original definition of just divination, like communication with the dead as a form of divination of what necromancy is, is exactly what's referred to in the Bible anytime witchcraft is used. Huh. Because communing with the dead was absolutely forbidden for the ancient Hebrews. Sure. Yeah. Huh. And she was also invoked in curses. Um, she was, as we've previously mentioned, a very popular deity invoked in the sapphic love spells found in ancient curse tablets and in the Greek magical papyri, along mm -hmm. with the Furies, Cerberus, Hades, and other underworld heavy hitters. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, very interestingly to me, at least, just as somebody who's like studied a lot about Western occultism and mysticism and magic and witchcraft, um, if you don't know, Empedocles is the Sicilian philosopher who's credited with the theory of the four classical elements, earth, air, water, and fire. And he used a lot of things to, do, to illustrate this. His main illustration was he would burn a, a log of wood, right? And of course, the wood was earth, the fire was fire, the smoke was air. Smoke air. And if you've ever burned wood, you know whatever moisture comes out, it, whatever moisture was in it comes out. It like bubbles mm -hmm. and hisses in their steam. So that was water, right? Mm -hmm. He had other ways that he illustrated this as well. And he did so using four deities. And they were Zeus and Hera and Hades and Nestus. Now, Basically, what we can understand is Nestus, which means the fasting one, was another alternate name for her as a euphemism. Huh. And he connected her with the element of water, which I just thought was wild. So I, just really, I really hope if I'm a god, I'm not known as the fasting one. Just, <laughs> I'm just like, I don't want that. I don't want that one. So Well, I thought it could be like, if it's like, 
I don't know. The whole thing about her eating the seeds and having to stay down there for part of the year, right? Like, uh, I guess where my brain went was like, uh, after it's already been established, she goes back up. Maybe she has to like not eat pomegranates for a while before she can go back up. I, I think like... you're reversing it. It's the fact that uh, when she goes down, she goes on a hunger strike. Mm. Huh? When she so goes down why... initially, she won't eat anything. She goes so like, basically on a hunger strike. One. Right. Yeah. It's not until way later on that she eats the pomegranate seeds. She has to do a, a underworld fast. Yeah, oh. she has to fast off the pomegranates. Yeah. yeah, Underworld Cleanse. So in terms of her depiction, tell me what you think she looks like. Because she's definitely one of the much more modern depicted goddesses in yeah. art, video games, comics, TV. Like, she gets depicted a lot. And people really take liberties, I think, and really do whatever they want. So I'm wondering what you think she was depicted as back in the day. Or just how you see her, which is totally fine as well. Um, like younger than Hades, but not like young, young. But like a little more youthful, and, like uh, yeah. Um, what? Like, I don't know. Super flowy and pr feminine. I mean, the spring thing, you know, gives you kind of like a thing in your head, like flowy curly you know like wavy hair and like like super beautiful not like tightly woven kind of like a little more earthy i suppose but that i think it's just the spring thing coming back also like the contrast between that and the underworld but but i don't really know what she looks like yeah i guess um i guess i imagine her changing clothes when she goes above yeah. ground um one because i think it would make her mom happier uh, and I think she probably cares about that. She doesn't have that like um, severe German like fashion that like Hades. Yeah, but has I think she like when she them. goes back down there, she's kind of like nice. I get to go she, back to where she's into tech that. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, and I think like I guess I see her as also being one of those kind of like it's not so much that she looks younger or older. She has like one of those faces where you can't really place mm. their age because um, I feel like. I don't know that family unit like the story kind of really I guess puts the family unit pieces in place maybe more so than some of the other stories or at least early on it did for me yeah so for me I kind of think of Persephone as thinking like looking and resembling a lot Demeter um yeah. like maybe having like they have like this weird like a very intense eye look that they do like they have the same eyes but like Persephone is like you know um is a little bit younger looking than Demeter. I could see that. For um, sure. Yeah. I feel like... Though I, I do kind of have, like... I imagine her having, like, a similar... Kind of, like... Crack of the whip look... Mm -hmm. uh, in her eye to, like, Artemis, I guess. Just, like... Con like, that cunning look, I guess. Um, this is the best way I can explain it. Uh, but other than that, yeah. I think that's, like, really kind of what i have i just before i actually get into the real shit i just wanted to say that i have always had a thing in my head that she would have some defining feature that changed about her after she initially yeah. went to the underworld like rogue's totally. white streak in x-men you know what i mean mm -hmm. like yeah um so yeah 
She was usually depicted as a young woman holding sheets of green and a flaming torch. She was invariably robed. She was covered up a lot more than most of the other goddesses, uh, mm -hmm. much more kind of in the style of her mom. Mm -hmm. um, she was sometimes carrying a scepter, which indicated her role as the queen of the underworld. Queen. Sometimes she carried a little box, but that could be... That could be related to the myth of Psyche. That could be related to her mysteries because there's like the box mysteries. Of the I was gonna say it. that. Yeah. Yeah. It could. It, some people immediately go, "It's Pandora's box," and I'm like, "Shut the fuck up." Oh God. Um, <laughs> in more modern art, she is almost always depicted in the midst of her abduction at the hands of Hades. Otherwise, we often see her holding a pomegranate, which alludes to her myths. Uh, but just fun fact is not one of her sacred objects or plants. Yeah. <laughs> Um, in terms of her personality, we see a powerful queen in her own right who also shows great compassion when she is moved to, as in the case of Orpheus and Eurydice. She's often seen as having two seemingly incongruous personalities, which match her purview. The young yeah. coquettish goddess of flowers in the springtime and the dread goddess of the dead in the underworld. However, this was never seen as confusing to the ancient Greeks and the Romans who saw her as, as, who saw her as a goddess that was as complex as she was kind. But... Above all, she was a goddess never to be trifled with. Mm -hmm. Her retinue includes Hecate and Iacchus. Her and Hecate are pals. Her attributes are Check torches, out. flower, and deer. She sometimes oh. is pictured with deer. Uh, sacred objects include um, seeds of grain, asphodel, wheat, and I put modern pomegranate because everyone fucking offers her pomegranates, draws her with pomegranates, and it's like... It's not originally one of her things, but yeah. fine. Might as well be now, yeah. Right. It's it's one of those things that just develops, and then you're it's like, okay. It's become a thing, yeah. Um, children include Zagreus, Melanoe, and the Aranyes. If you want more info on them, check out our Hades episode when we did a deep dive on each one. And her um, epithets actually are sort of done in categories. So you have her euphemistic names, which refer to her as... Um, the underworld goddess. So there's, of course, Despina, mistress of the house. Um, Hagme, which means pure, uh, which was originally a goddess of underground springs that was subsumed under her name. Oh. There's Melindia, or Melanoia, which is from the root of Meli, which means honey. And this was uh, the name that linked her with Melanoi, who we talked about as one of her, as her daughter, but yeah. also linked her, um, it, it's uh, referential to her role as the consort of Hades, but it also links her with Hecate in several ways. Um, cool. And there's Aristi Chthonia, which means the best Chthonic. <laughs> um, as a vegetation goddess, we have Cori, uh, the maiden, Cori Sutera, the savior maiden, Cori Memagmeni, the mixed daughter, and Neoterra the Younger, which is what was used for her in Eleusis, because they would just mm. call them the goddesses, so yeah. she would be called the Younger. Mm. And then alongside Demeter, we have, of course, the goddesses. They were just called the Older and the Younger in Eleusis. Uh, the Mistresses, they were also called sometimes, like in Arcadia. Uh, Themos Foroi, which is the Legislators. Remember that epithet that we talked about and also her festival for Demeter that is like Demeter, giver of the law? Yeah. Yeah. They were often lumped under that as well. And there's also Carpophoroi, which is the bringers of fruit, which was also used in Arcadia. So, epithets aside, this brings us to today's myth. 
Before we launch into the myth, I want to point out that although it is easily one of the most iconic and most popular in Greek myth, it is not as widely attested in the early writing of ancient Greece as many think. Hesiod mentions it in his Theogony, but Homer never talks about it at all, just stating that Hades and Persephone are married and rule the underworld and the dead together. Interestingly, the Romans mostly told this tale another way altogether, naming an arrow from Eros under the direction of Venus as the cause for the whole incident. So the actual, yeah, the abduction of Persephone is not as set in stone as many people think it is. So here, are we ready? Are we we ready to do this? Let's do it. Take a drink. Let me have my jewel. (laughs) All right. The great and powerful Zeus had three sisters, Hera, the goddess of marriage and childbirth, Hestia, the goddess of the hearth and home, and Demeter, the goddess of the earth and its harvest. We all know that Zeus eventually married Hera, but before that happened, he chased after a different sister, Demeter. Zeus pursued her without relent, and when he had exacted his violence upon her, she was left distraught. She hid away in a secret cave, wearing her black mourning garments and grieving. But it was in that cave that Gaia came to her one day, announcing that the goddess was with child. Gaia prophesied that the child she would bear would bring her the greatest joy and the greatest sorrow she had ever known. Not long after this, Demeter gave birth to the goddess Persephone. She treasured her daughter with all her heart, and the two were inseparable. She was fiercely protective of Persephone, so when the Olympian gods noticed her beauty coming into full bloom... Demeter fought them tooth and nail to keep her daughter safe from their advances, but one of the gods never approached. Instead, he only watched from afar. That god was her brother Hades, the lord of the underworld, and he was enraptured by young Persephone's beauty. He went to his brother Zeus and asked for his daughter's hand in marriage. Zeus acquiesced, believing that the union could bring some joy and lightness to his dark and brooding brother's gloomy realm and his even gloomier disposition. He did so without a thought for Demeter or for Persephone, for their wishes or their consent. Zeus, though he be the all-powerful king of the gods, even he would come to regret this decision. Persephone loved nothing more than to help her mother in her work, tending to the earth and providing the abundance that nourished all life. She particularly loved flowers, But Persephone was getting older, and she wished to have a bit of independence. Demeter had been implacable on this front, but when Persephone came to her one day and asked for leave to paint the flowers in the field of Nyssa, her mother relented. This was a task Persephone deeply enjoyed, and which she excelled at, and she would not be alone. She was to set out with Artemis, Athena, and Aphrodite, her cousins and girlhood companions, as well as a retinue of nymphs who would serve as their handmaidens. So Demeter tried to forget her worry, collected herself, and spoke a blessing upon her daughter before she set out. Persephone departed, and as she left, it became clear to the great goddess that her daughter had blossomed into a truly beautiful young woman. So Persephone, her cousins, and the nymphs set out for the fields, and she was delighted to see that the flowers she was to paint were poppies, the ones most sacred to her mother. 
She began her work, but it wasn't long until her cousins and the nymphs had gotten her totally distracted and they played for hours in the fields. They had even ventured into the woods where Artemis taught them about all the animals that lived there. Persephone was listening diligently. She loved all life and was happy to learn about its many forms. It was then, however, that something caught her eye. As the others headed deeper into the woods, she re-emerged onto the fields, eyes fixed on one lone flower. Persephone had always been an intelligent, beautiful girl, but she was also quite reserved, shy even, so no one noticed when she broke off from the group and headed back out to the flowers. She had finished her work despite the distractions, and the area was radiant with the lush crimson of the poppies she had painted. But there in the distance was a blot of deep black. She got closer and realized it was a flower that she had not yet encountered, the Black Narcissus. She knew all of the flowers, and she knew each of the gods that they were sacred to. Having heard of this botanical and her lessons from her mother, she was able to suss out its name, but she could not remember its patronage. It was then that the earth began to rumble beneath her. She was standing over the flower and inhaling its scent, trying to remember which god it was sacred to. Then the earth tore open and revealed a deep blackness, and it was in that moment that fear struck her heart and she suddenly remembered which god this flower belonged to. Before she could even utter his name, an ebony chariot drawn by furious, fire-breathing black stallions erupted from the earth, and standing in its carriage was the Dark Lord himself, Hades, the king of the underworld. He stared at her wordlessly, picked the flower, and handed it to her. She had never met Hades and was always curious why the other Olympians refused to mention him. She accepted the flower, and in one swift movement, he pulled her onto the chariot, snapped the reins, and drove his steeds straight down into the depths below. Persephone had barely let out a scream when the ground closed over them, and it wasn't until they were long gone that her cousins and their attendants even realized that she was missing. As soon as the young women realized that Persephone was gone, they raised the alarm, calling upon the winds to carry their messages to the gods of Olympus. Demeter was the first to hear what had happened, and the first to snap into action, and treading the earth with a fearsome speed, she found the spot where her daughter had vanished. She found the young goddesses and the nymphs and interrogated them as to what had happened, but they had not seen or heard anything. She spoke to the trees and to the animals, but they had not seen or heard anything. She even spoke to her sacred flowers, but the sleepy poppies had not seen or heard anything. Demeter widened her search, finally coming to a crossroads not far from the field, but the sun was setting fast, and darkness was spreading. Soon realizing her search was becoming futile, grief and terror quickly overtook her. She collapsed to the ground and howled from the pain that was trying to rend her heart and break her mind. She tore her clothes, and she ripped out her hair, nearing madness. It was then that she felt a cold hand on her shoulder, and it was the shock of this touch that snapped her back to reality. She looked up, and she looked into the face of the dark goddess, Hecate. Hecate asked what happened, and Demeter tried to explain through her tears. Hecate brought the great goddess to her feet, cleaned her up, wiped her tears, and embraced her. She comforted the goddess, assuring her that they could find her quickly if they looked in the right places. And Demeter was indeed comforted to be in the company of Hecate, the only god who had power over the realms of the heavens, the earth, and the underworld. 
Hecate advised that they should seek out ever-watchful Helios, as the incident had happened in the daytime, and so he had surely seen everything just as it had occurred. The two goddesses traveled to the celestial palace of the sun god, Hecate half-carrying the bereft Demeter. It was night, so Helios was home, and he welcomed them in. Demeter spared no time and immediately demanded to know what had happened to her daughter. Helios had been in situations like this before, and frankly, he never got any better at handling them. He didn't want to be in the middle of the drama between the other gods. It was always so messy, and someone always got hurt. But when he looked into Demeter's mournful eyes, he knew someone had already been hurt. So he told her what he knew. He had seen the young goddess standing in a field of newly painted flowers, and then the earth tore open and the god of the dead had stolen her daughter. Without a word, Demeter turned on her heel and headed toward Olympus like a flaming arrow. When she arrived, Hecate was already waiting there for her, but she had no time for questions or surprise. She threw open the chambers of her brother Zeus and his wife Hera, and like an earthquake, she shook the halls of Olympus with her fury, cursing the Dark Lord to Zeus, explaining what Helios had revealed, and demanding that her daughter be returned and Hades be punished mercilessly. Zeus looked at her, unmoved and unaffected, and replied that Hades had come to him and asked for Persephone's hand, and he had granted it. At this, even Hera recoiled, rising from their bed and standing alongside the other two goddesses, radiating her own fury. Zeus looked at the three goddesses, one from each of the realms, and he was dumbstruck as to the reason for their anger. Hecate and Hera castigated him for giving away a daughter he barely knew without so much as a conversation with her mother, and to send that poor girl to the underworld of all places? Was he stupid or cruel? Demeter finally spoke in a quiet, calm voice, every word a lethal threat. Return my daughter to me, or I will cause destruction never before witnessed by men or gods. You have three days. And with that, she left. She abandoned Olympus, and she wandered the earth, searching for her daughter. Of course, Zeus, the king of the gods, was not about to relent to some angry goddess, so he did nothing for those three days. And this, too, he would bitterly regret. On the morning of the fourth day, Demeter exerted her will, and all life on the planet ceased to flourish. The crops failed, pregnancies failed, the earth became arid and cold. Soon the trees looked like skeletons, the rich soil turned to stone, and the wombs of the earth, human and animal alike, became barren. She wandered the world in search of her daughter, and every step she took created a wasteland. Soon, death outweighed life. There were no new births, there were no new crops, so the people grew old, they grew sick, they starved, and they froze. And then the temples went dark, and the sacrifices ceased. Now it was well known that the gods depended on their sacrifices, so when they stopped, every one of them noticed. They all turned to Zeus for answers, and it was then that he finally looked down at the earth below, and he was shocked at what he saw. The decay, the destruction, the death. He wasn't just shocked, he was terrified. He sought out Helios, demanding to know why the earth was so cold, and Helios explained that he could not counter the influence of the earth goddess. 
it was then Zeus realized what was happening. Zeus set out from Olympus, and even he had to don a traveler's cloak to traverse the harsh conditions. He went out and found the wandering Demeter, and he demanded that she stop what she was doing. She looked at him in his eyes and demanded her daughter be returned to her. He grew frustrated, explaining once again that what was done could not be undone. Hades had every right to his bride. So Demeter answered in kind, knowing full well that the gods could not override the divine influence of one another, especially not in their own realm, not even Zeus. He stared at her for a moment, and then he finally saw it. Her resolve was iron-clad. She would gladly destroy the earth and all its inhabitants rather than live without her daughter. So he finally relented. He promised that he would have Hermes go and fetch Persephone from the underworld, and so he did. Persephone had tried to stay brave. She had tried to stay strong. But the horrors of the underworld were just too much for her. What was somehow worse, though, was how kind and gentle Hades had been to her. She was surely a prisoner, but he was not cruel to her. He had explained how he had asked Zeus for her hand in marriage, and even though she was fighting him, trying to escape, raging at her captivity, he was never harsh to her. He simply assured her that she would grow accustomed to her new kingdom and that she might even grow accustomed to him in time. And she hated to admit it, but she had. She had lost count of the days that she had been underground, but what she had not lost track of was her hunger. You see, even as she warmed up to Hades and they began to share meals each night, she would never eat anything. She had initially refused in spite of him, and she had kept it going as a matter of principle. But what she didn't know was that the underworld had its own set of laws, and one of those laws stated that anyone who ate the food of the dead was trapped in the realm of the dead. So, one day, all alone in her chambers, she idly picked apart a pomegranate, her favorite fruit. And as she looked at the succulent seeds, she picked a few out, and then silently, releasing herself from her self-imposed hunger strike, put them in her mouth. And it was then that the doors swung open and the radiant, swift-footed Hermes walked in. Though he was no doubt the fastest of all the gods, even he had been too slow to stop this tragedy. As he entered the chambers, his eyes alighted on the goddess and his welcoming, jovial smile faded into a look of panic. He demanded to know what she had just eaten and she told him, a few pomegranate seeds. His face fell into a lament, and he informed her as to the laws of the underworld. She was devastated. Hermes reported back to Zeus, and he was furious at what he heard. This situation was getting far too messy, so he made a decision. He called all the gods of Olympus to order, including Hades and Persephone. The twelve Olympians sat on their thrones, and the elder god and the young goddess stood before them. Zeus proclaimed that it was by divine right that Persephone had become Hades' wife. But, due to Demeter's wrath, she would have to return to the surface and rejoin her mother. Persephone rushed to her mother, and they embraced, fearing to let each other go for even a moment, lest some other tragedy befall them. Demeter felt her heart restored, and she breathed easily for the first time in what seemed like eons. And it was then that Zeus continued his pronouncement— 
He declared that the laws of the underworld were just as sacred and inviolable as the laws of Olympus, which meant that Persephone would have to return to the underworld with Hades. Demeter rose to her full height, radiant and ready to spill divine blood. But then Zeus continued. As she had only eaten six seeds of the deathly pomegranate, she was to spend six months per year with her husband in the underworld. Demeter saw no way out of this conclusion, and so she acquiesced, as did Persephone, as did Hades. And so, every year, Persephone descends once more to rule by her husband's side in the land of the dead. And during this time, Demeter mourns and grieves for her daughter. And we mortals here on Earth hunker down for autumn, and then we try and survive the bleak, barren times we call winter. <laughs> it's so good what'd it's you think so cool. <laughs> i love it it took it's me a so really good. long time to write that so i hope you guys like it it's beautiful yeah no it's uh it's still probably one of my favorite stories yeah uh out of the whole even now like after the podcast like knowing so much more it's still probably one of my favorite stories um it also gets like a lot of people involved yeah it has a lot of the gods in there and like I think even the ones that show up briefly, it still shows off, like, an aspect of the gods' personality as they're, like, interacting with the, the situation, so. Also, they come to a sort of, like, um, agreement between all of them, which is, like, rare for the gods. It's not like somebody wins and somebody loses. It's like they do actually kind of compromise. I don't think they have a choice. I think it's a, it's a really yeah. serious stalemate. But I think that's like, cool that like figure it well, out. It says a lot about Demeter, I guess. You know, like it's a real it's really cool that there's a situation that's so important that like that shows you how important this was to her. Yeah, that it's like that, yeah. that they have to all work together and find a conclusion that works for everybody because otherwise it's not doable. It's why I hate when people like do this really um, unfair characterization of demeter as this like lunatic mother and it's no. like i'm also, sorry your daughter was literally kidnapped for, and not right. ever allowed to be on earth with you again right <laughs> what would you like obvious i would absolutely be like oh, okay well then everyone's going we're all going to the underworld sure. so i can be baby. with my daughter again you know like and also i like like the more we talk about them it's cool that we did their episodes like in a row because it's like I think the more we talk about them both, the more you, I'm seeing it, like, I think what Vince, you were saying even about the way you imagine them, like, they are, and just thinking about their purviews and, like, thinking about all the things they represent, they seem really connected. They're like a mother and daughter yeah. who aren't just, like, it's not like, you know, whatever, all the gods had some kids. It's like, Well, it's like Aphrodite like had her daughter Harmonia. Yeah, they hang out sometimes, yeah. I guess. They hang out you once know, in like, a while, yeah. Harmonia's doing this her own like, thing, you know? <laughs> they, no, these are, like, they're, like, best friends. Yes. Like, they're, they seem like they're, like, close in age and just, like, best friends. They're almost like sisters. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they're very close. They're like one of those mother's daughters that like they look they look alike. Yeah. They do all the same stuff. They like one is slightly older, but other than that, you could think that's just like an older sister, younger sister thing. So right. it's not like it's just like oh no, don't fuck with one of my children. It's like that's my best friend and like my entire that's the entire thing. Mm-hmm. You know? That just gave me major Gilmore Girls vibes. Like- oh God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hecate's part in it is really interesting too. Mm. Also, she really only chills with the the like cool ones. 
Yeah, like she does. She always comes out in the coolest other myths. Like she, it's like there's which of the other shit gods? Afoot. Yeah, there's some, something yeah. kind of spooky going on. She's probably around. Yeah, like I love that. Well, I mean, literally, wrong. she was her presence was announced by the howling of dogs. That's li- yeah. that was Hell, literally yeah. how it was thought to be. Back but in I the like day. how with some of the gods, like the more you know, whatever, the more like generic gods are like the fucking ones we have problems with like she doesn't even appear like she doesn't even mess with those gods mm-hmm. like is she friends with them no not really no <laughs> like no, she doesn't really care she stays to her own another world yeah <laughs> fucking doing stuff she's yep. got stuff to do <laughs> but i love that i love her appearances like tell you a lot about like who's cool <laughs> I like the idea that we're not obviously on a Hecate episode, but just while we're talking about her, I think it's funny to think about the idea of like her presence being announced by the howling of dogs, but like the howling of dogs, them trying to tell, they're like, yo, cause they're just bad. They're just bad at keeping secrets. So they're yeah. trying to tell all the secrets that Hecate's down there brewing up. And she's like, will you all shut up? Like, will you all shut up? I mean, probably that's what having dogs is like. You're like, shut up. Like literally <laughs> yeah, stop yeah. doing everything you're doing. This sounds very dramatic, but really, it's just quite annoying. <laughs> it's interesting because a lot of people characterize it as like the the sounds of like hunting dogs coming for you, because like oh, yeah. hellhounds, yeah, you know? hellhounds. But like realistically, that was like her prime offering and sacrifice. Yeah. So I kind of yeah. feel like the dogs are howling, like, "Oh God, she's Don't coming!" Kill me. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I feel like heck, and she's showing up as like how dogs act when fireworks are happening, and you're like, "Oh yeah. God, no, I, no, 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 I no, no, yeah, the dogs are button. scared." Yeah. yeah. Yeah, which is like, but she also has dogs, right? Too. It's a little weird, but doesn't isn't doesn't she like have dogs that are her black like, dogs are sacred buddies, to her, but, but also sacrificed. Sometimes yeah. she's depicted with them, but it kind of depends on like who's depicting her and how modern it is. But like, yeah, no, her main offering though was dogs, but it's not ever, it's never indicated that it's a um, uh, like a taboo. Right, like she doesn't I mean, hate that animal the way that like no. you have the taboo of pork with Aphrodite, right? Like we're but that's true, but sometimes I, that's like yeah, that in that case it's the opposite. But in some cases, I feel like sacrifices are like the most precious thing. It's like the mm-hmm. holy, the the important thing. So it could it could be both for sure. It goes but both also, ways for sure. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I also think it's like with Hecate, it could be yeah the creepy intersection of those things. It's like oh, I love dogs. That's why I eat them. Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. That's not you can't. And she's like, "What do you mean?" No, well, you everybody enough. You should be willing she's to She's also a little it. feral. She like doesn't <laughs> yeah. hang, oh, she doesn't yeah, hang yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She doesn't hang out with all the other people that no, much. Like, it, no, she kind of. She if she hangs out with anybody, reality. she hangs out with ghosts. That's her main yeah. like hangout group. Yeah. Is like <laughs> she's like chthonic crocodile Dundee. Yeah, totally. She's out in the wild in a swamp. There's always a farmer. You always see a farmer who has like that one chicken he's not going to eat. Who's just like his friend. You know, like exactly. Exactly. You know, get too close. it's a thing. He curses him out every every morning, like you fucking bastard. Yeah. You bastard. I don't like I should eat you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, but, but what I do think we that, think that, about? Yeah. What do we think about the the dynamic between Hades and Persephone? Because I want to just say something at the outset, real quick, and get your thoughts on it. Suffice to say that although we might all assume that Hades is an irredeemable creep and that Persephone is a victim, the myths and the iconology that we have state otherwise. It's well attested that they were deeply in love and that they were the most loyal, stable, healthy relationship among any of the gods in any realm. Further evidence to support this 
would be that Hades has a total lack of participation in chasing women or other people, um, goddesses or otherwise. Hades not running around chasing after anybody. Um, he literally has a first wife that we talked about in his episode, and that's it. So, on the other hand, y'all are not going to have me out here defending some man, but it does seem that there is a lot of nuance to be found, and it's a nuance that we dare not gloss over. After all, scholars are have been con have conjectured for centuries about the meaning of this myth. For example, one theory states that the myth was a simple framing of the agricultural calendar, while another posits that the abduction is indicative of just how fragile the agrarian life was for these people and how yeah. quickly things could dry up and starvation could bear down on them. So essentially you have this you have like the stability that is demeter you have the primal sort of like new growth of spring that is persephone and then you have as like archetypes right as like yeah. primal energies and of course you have hades who is the interceding force of death and where does death fall in all of that and so i don't know that it's necessarily something where we have to take it as like oh you know is it i don't i don't it's not i don't struggle with the romanticization of demeter and Perse of um, persephone and hades i don't like it when they when they obscure the fact that she was abducted because she was and he did yeah. that with his first wife and that's not how you get a wife so stop but he doesn't mistreat her ever there's never any evidence that he mistreats her um now of course you can make the you know the the argument oh you know he like locked her up against her will and all of that can can i float a theory yeah so i mean yeah obviously it sucks that it's non-consensual and it's like obviously i feel like you could argue that like even when she's like actually he's quite nice it's like some kind of stockholm syndrome or something right but, but if you like kind of just leave that set that aside because you know it is what it is in the in this world um maybe maybe if he is sort of the king of and in a way like sort of face of and representation of death and like and removal from current like human life and going into the afterlife maybe that it maybe and no matter how he tried to seduce somebody that's how it would always come off do you know what i mean like how does somebody yeah. who is death invite someone politely to like join them it's like you he is death, so it's like, what is death? Death is a non-consensual, like, thing. But then once you get there, maybe it's okay. And that's like, right. he is, he isn't right. a, actually a shithead. It's just like, maybe, you know, you're like, why the fuck didn't you just, like, ask her or talk to her? But it's like, he isn't reason. He isn't, like, negotiation. He's fucking death. Like, right, it, which like, is inherently amoral, but also implacable. And, and there's nothing you can do about it. No. It kind of has, it just hits you. And right. so, so I'm saying in some kind of metaphorical storytelling way, a way that I would be able to, if I was like working on a piece relating to this, a way I could not rationalize, but uh, sort of like explain it to contextualize. myself. Contextualize why maybe, for instance, like you said, he's been with two women that we know of and he's done, done it the same way both times. Right. So maybe it's not that he's just like a crazy kidnapper. Maybe it's that when he wants to seduce somebody or he is showing interest, that's just how it has to manifest because of what he is in the universe. There's a lot of modern tellings that sort of try to cover that, right? And they say like, mm. okay, there maybe he can't leave the underworld, right? Yeah. So he so couldn't was he pursue gonna do? her he if he wanted to. Take you out to dinner, yeah. Right. 
But there's also others that say, well, even if he could leave the underworld, you know, he has absolutely no fellowship with any of the gods. He has no yeah. people skills, ostensibly. None. You know what I mean? Yeah. The only people that he deals with constantly are people who just found out they're dead. And <laughs> so, you know, how's he going to relate to, like, a goddess? He has his dog, you know, and like, that's, like, And, it. like, yeah. concepts, right. you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, concepts well, that existed like, before. Who's he hanging out with? Nyx? Like, he's yeah. not. This Nyx, is not. <laughs> right. He's got it's, a really weird friend group. You remember everybody who hangs out in front of the gates? It's a oh, rough yeah. crowd, you know? It's like, a rough crowd. So, I don't, I, I, I can't believe I'm he's sitting here. He's also definitely a dog boy. Yeah, yeah, he's totally. got his dog. Like he's got his doggy dog boy. Yeah, apartment. yeah, yep. <laughs> it, exactly. It, it's it's hard to think of him as, uh, you know, he's clearly obviously there's no evidence that he's like one of these assholes on Olympus that's just like chasing everything that has a pulse. He's not that, but he well, also that doesn't does necessarily a have a lot of charm. Like I don't know that no. he'd be able to do this. So here's the thing too. Let me throw another thing at you that has really been heavy on my fucking head. What if he went to Zeus thinking he was doing the proper protocol? Right, And totally. Zeus yeah. said, yeah, they're fine with yeah. her. I've yeah. always... So okay. he thinks he's yeah. picking her up. He thinks this yeah. is correct. You yeah. know what I mean? He he, also, especially if he, he like you flower. said... If, like you said, he's, like, not very good at people skills, like, he's not used to socializing, maybe he's like, okay, I did the right thing. And she's like, why the fuck are you kidnapping me? And he's like, wait, what? I, I, isn't this? <laughs> right. Like, it seems obvious to us because we have, like, been asked on a date before. Right. But, like, you know, like, if he's like, I don't know, this is, I thought this is what you, I thought this is what happens. And this kind of is what happens. That doesn't mean he would have, knowing the context of it, maybe wouldn't be okay with it. Because it does seem like he's actually a pretty nice guy. Yeah, it's also like he's I, also, I imagine him for the, like remembering for the, that his. Sorry, for the record, he's also a very by the book kind of guy. Oh yeah, he's totally. a very like by the rules kind of guy. He's not going to necessarily do. He's anything not like shady. a loose cannon. No, no, not gonna... at all. So he wouldn't have done this if it was underhanded. I genuinely well, think in my head, I'm like, he went to Zeus. Zeus being who Zeus is was like, yeah, it was just like, yeah, yeah it's yeah, great. Yeah, Perfect. I already, I already talked to Demeter and Persephone. They're totally down. Awesome. Great, cool, go yeah. for it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and he's then probably he ends up like, holy sh fuck, what do I do? You know what I mean? I'm going to let you like hang out in your new room and I'm going to go do dead stuff and uh, yeah. uh, we'll just whatever. And that's why he's like all, the whole time being like, I think it'll be okay. Like, you're going to like it here. Like, there's nice stuff. You can right, you right. Like, Here's some jewelry. Like, I'm so, he's are like, you now okay? now is not the time yeah. for the welcome presentation that I organized. Right, and, and also he's- He's uh, also not trying to like fuck her constantly. Time. He's just kind of, you know. He's got the goddess of springtime who he just brought down to the fucking realm of the dead. So of course in his mind, he's probably thinking like, Okay, yeah, this could be pretty shocking to somebody. I guess it's a little nobody, dark in here. Nobody yeah. comes down here. You know what I mean? So he's, like, trying to make up to her that she's been abducted by, like, getting a lamp. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I can see in the dark, but I didn't realize you couldn't. So, like, yeah. this is where here, we're starting we'll, at. We'll make it nicer in here, yeah. And his only, if he does have a companion, by the way, it's creepy little albino girl that he birthed I on his know. own, Macaria. I love her. He was like, daddy, you know, like, and there's no. She, but she can't make conversation at all. Like, I, even worse than him. She, she probably doesn't... came through the wall and scared the shit out of Persephone. Yeah, was oh, like, absolutely. Hello. Absolutely. You know? No, Persephone gets in the chariot and finally sits down and sits down on her and she's yeah. like oh yeah. and she's like oh hello and you're like ah she's definitely also, the like the like Victorian really... child who's been told that he has an illness like yes. his entire life so he yeah. can't go in the sun but like yeah. there's nothing wrong with him his parents are just crazy I do imagine her like the little uh I forget Stannis Baratheon's daughter's name yeah um, totally the yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um 
But I also, like, I, I think it checks out, yeah, like, Hades coming up there, being by the books, not really having been up above ground probably in a while, being like, I vaguely remember... Um, ostensibly since they divided the realms. He yeah. has not been above Earth. We don't have any myths where he has been. And so I feel like there's definitely, like, a... I vaguely remember getting an invitation to Hera and Zeus getting married. I feel like I remember... And he's, like, looking through his books, like, Hera's a goddess of marriage. Okay, yeah, no. I'll just I'll, go I'll, ask, I'll, yeah. Yeah, I'll just go ask. And he's like, hey, Zeus, uh, heard about blah, blah, blah. And I feel like, yeah, he's just like, well, if anyone knows, it'd be Zeus. I don't know if I want to necessarily talk to Hera, but Zeus will know. Like, Well, yeah, you know. he's probably like, well, if I was supposed to go, like, ask her first or ask her mother or something, maybe Zeus would have said that. He wouldn't have just been like, yeah, that's fine. That's hey, cool. just, like, like, show you're up. the supreme th- authority up here, I suppose. You know, if anyone's by the... Oh, he reminds he me of, know. like, an old person with a phone book, and they totally. have to cross out, like, the name yeah. the dead people when the they dead die. People. Yeah. Like, all of his information's super outdated. He doesn't, he doesn't know what's going yeah. on. You know, like, he comes up using super outdated, like, slang and verbiage, and they're like, what the fuck? Like, we also, haven't said would... bingo bango since the fucking Giganto yeah, Lucky. Yeah, he's still speaking primordial. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the only people he hangs out with. Yes. He doesn't know all the new lingo. That's no. amazing. It also kind of backs up my thing that I was thinking the whole time you were telling the myth, which was making me feel like a bit of a like a pervert, which is that I have to say, because I, I don't want to be kidnapped, but on some kind of like role play level, the kidnapping moment is super hot. Like I mean... that it's like <laughs> an entire field of poppies. And then there's like one black flower and she's like, Ooh, what is this? And then like the ground opens and like mm-hmm. he explodes out like a giant cock. You know what I mean? Like flying <laughs> into the sky and grabs her. Like it's, there's, it's super sexy. If, if it's not, if it's not actually non If it's consensual. Yeah. <laughs> yes. If that was a consensual fantasy. Or also, if, I don't know or why you imagine him as a corpse. Was. I'm like, you know, he's no, the big fucking dick demon daddy of darkness like no yes. i don't mean a corpse i mean he's just like so clear like i feel like the other gods are just like really attractive humans and he's like obviously like something different i don't know I yeah mean, but I to don't... the greeks that means he has black hair yeah yeah like the way vampires are like dead but they're still super hot like oh you know, okay All like right. he's like vampire corpse like he's yeah the way like a vampire looks next to a human like if right. you don't see their right. fangs you're like what's wrong with that person it's sexy but i don't know what's wrong with them right. oh well it's, the, it's like they're, Cas- they're dead like <laughs> in castlevania like dracula in the castlevania series is like very much so reminiscent of like Hades and Persephone because his whole thing is like I'm an ultimate powerful like vampire lord but this human lady has caught my heart so now I have and then they then you know she's taken away and it's like now I have to exterminate all humans so it's like (laughs) so it's like there's a lot of echoes in that Mm. like I'm the super dark intelligent loner uh, but this one yeah, exactly. Um, so I don't know. It's like, uh, yeah, that store, man. It's one of those things. I feel like it's real deep down mm. in a bunch of people's machine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not too deep down for me. It's it's pretty up there. Uh, on the, Would you on say the it's out on Maine? Um, no, yeah, I'd say that. Um, I have another s- quick story to share with you guys that oh. flips the script a little bit. Ooh. On old Miss Persephone. 
So if you are thinking, oh my god, you guys are terrible. Hades is just a creep. Well, seems like Persephone may have really loved TLC. And her favorite single from them could have been So a creep. Yeah. Just creeping on the down low. Yes. Okay, so Oh Yes. You know what was stuck in my head so for like two days? Last week. Was it what you know about rolling down? <laughs> no, it was. Are you ready for this? Because you're gonna get whiplash. Cleopatra coming at ya. Cleopatra coming at ya. What is no. that? No, I, it does sound familiar. Oh my god, is this it? is the moment that I realize I'm actually directly between the two of you in age. Cleopatra 2020. Uh, oh no. Oh, get in the comments. <laughs> get in the comments if you're listening to this. Cleopatra 2020 was it. Oh, it was like Nickelodeon no. Afrofuturism. It was the shit. What? Yes. <laughs> I just don't re- no, remember that at all. All right, here we go. <clears throat> Fuck it. <laughs> Interestingly, Sorry. Persephone is not the only god who had to divide their year and their companionship between the other gods. You see, when Adonis, the god of male beauty, was born, he was so beautiful that Aphrodite secreted him away in a chest and brought him to her dear friend Persephone asking her to raise him in the underworld for safekeeping. She agreed, but as he grew up and matured into a young man, she grew enraptured with his beauty. So when Aphrodite came to collect him, wanting him for herself, Persephone refused. The matter quickly got out of hand, but thankfully Uh somebody brought it before Zeus, and he decreed that Adonis would spend a third of the year in the underworld with Persephone, a third of the year on Olympus with Aphrodite, and a third of the year on Earth where he could do as he wished. But it seems that Aphrodite won this contest after all, as Adonis spent his third of the year with her. Oh, wow. That's tough. Polly is hard. Polly is really hard, y'all. You gotta, like, you gotta take it <laughs> and, like, I don't know. That's you know what tough. makes it a lot easier? Don't incubate your mate. Yeah, I think that yeah. is a good <laughs> don't, rule. Don't raise no, your mate from no baby. No children or yeah. parents no. involved. Mm-mm. Yeah. It's also, you know, it's a distance thing, right? The underworld's really far away. Yeah, but... What, for Aphrodite? No, for Adonis. He's clearly taking a choice, making a choice, though. Like, you can't, like, you can't do unfair advantage to one partner. That's like... Oh, I'm talking about the fact that these two goddesses raised him from a baby and then made him their mate. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, that's... It's creepy as fuck. Disgusting, Yeah. 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 Yeah, on top of we that, all agree on that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Glad we have that baseline. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's fucking skeezy as fuck. It's also worse that he's like the in- embodiment of like masculine beauty. Mm-hmm. It just makes it yeah. grosser. Because mm-hmm. yes. they're just like, they're just like, like look at our yeah. actual Kindle we made. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yo, it's, there's a terrible Adventure Time Friends. There's a terrible scene where the two lemon grabs are fighting over the baby they made, and they eat each other. Um, <laughs> um, this is really weird. The Adonis thing, I feel like it's I just weird. knew. I it's knew weird. who Adonis was, but I didn't really know the story. Also, he that's gets, really fucking. Weird. He gets killed by yeah. a boar that is sent boar, after him by right. the jealous Ares, because right. him and Aphrodite, because Aphrodite are Aphrodite. a little too cozy. Yeah. And Ares is like, hi, hello, I'm your codependent, toxic fucking mate. 
Yeah. You need to come back home. So. Um, and then the last so part that we Adonis had was just... was really hot, but, like, really didn't have a great life then. No, like, did not pretty, have a good pretty run. Pretty awful. Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> sorry you're so beautiful. Your life has been ruined by it. Yeah, male beauty is a really fraught subject, because think about Doesn't what happened to Narcissus. To be... yeah. 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 I was going to say, wait, wasn't there... There's Narcissus, and there's someone else... Wasn't... Didn't Selena was like, hey, they you obviously, stay asleep forever. They had some feelings about that. Like beautiful men. Yeah, and a lot of weird shit was done to beautiful men. Like when Hypnos yeah. had a lover so beautiful that he enchanted him oh, to yeah. sleep with his eyes open. So he yeah. could stare at him. So he could stare <laughs> in his eyes. Into his eyes. Yeah, which is, I'm sure, completely PG. Um, so the last part that we have is just tackling Proserpina, which is the Roman Persephone. So in early Roman religion, we have Liber and Libera, counterparts, siblings, and or spouses. Their names both translate to the free one, and together they reigned as the gods of wine, fertility, and plebeian freedoms. These were not minor figures. In fact, they formed a triad with Ceres, established on the Aventine Hill around 493 BC. The two were venerated during the March festival known as the Liberalia, and also during the April festival of Cerealia, which we discussed last week, the festival of Ceres. The Liberalia was celebrated by the Romans with the standard sacrifices and processions, but they also enjoyed rude humor, body songs, and masked festivals. The festival's main purpose, actually, though, was to mark the coming of age of young men who would enter manhood, don the adult man's toga, the toga virilis, and gain the right to vote. Um, remember the procession of the Argi the, with the straw effigies that were thrown into the Tiber? Yeah. yeah. That also took place at this time. So, fun oh, fact, okay. that's just like interwoven. Fun times. Yeah. yeah. So, Proserpina most likely started out as a fusion of the Greek cult and mysteries of Persephone and the cult of Libera. Uh, thus, per Proserpina was the daughter of Ceres and the wife of Pluto, not Liber, as she had mm. formerly been. She was the goddess that ruled the springtime, the initial growth of crops, and the cycle of life, death, and rebirth alongside her mother. Cool. So that, my friends, is our episode on Persephone. Yeah. What do we think? Awesome. Yeah, she's sick. It's like as good as I remember it, because I also was like very attached to this myth growing up. I guess it's just really it's just really dramatic. It has a really good arc. Like a lot of these yeah. myths are super are interesting in one way or another, or they're like wild out there, or some of them are just like kind of nice and some are kind of fucked up. This is one that like it is just a perfect story. Like it's already and it a also does it's perfect. And it's, and it's a play in three acts. You know, that's some what of I mean. them are it's a like, little like don't give yeah. a pig to Aphrodite. And you're like, okay, cool. Yeah. Well, this that one was actually <laughs> is just a full piece of theater of storytelling. Like it's just yeah. a pull. And the fact that it ends with like, a, that's how we have the seasons. It's like, wow, yeah. this really right. accomplished a lot. Right. <laughs> it's also like one of those things where like, as the credits are rolling, it's just like uh, Polaroids of like, uh, Persephone like pulling Hades to do things underground <laughs> or like the moment where Eurydice and, uh, Orpheus are like yeah. pleading with their giant bodies and their giant thrones, saying, oh, "It's like, come on." <laughs> I I like I kind of like their relationship. I mean, like you know, his fucked up like initiation aside, like whatever you know, we've th thought of a couple ways to interpret that. But like, also, just I do want to just inject really, really quickly that ritual abduction was a was a part thing. of marriage in many societies. Yeah. And I don't think we know quite enough to completely discredit that theory either. Mm -hmm. um, especially for like representations of like rustic Greek and things like that. So that could yeah. also be it. 
So there's a lot of stuff at play that maybe like we're just not. It's, it's not our. You culture. gotta just remember it's not our culture, not our language, not our time. We don't know what's all the ins and outs. I I, I agree. I think it's really um, it's a full bodied myth. You know, it has so much going for it in terms of storytelling potential. I had a thrilling time writing it. I really was super inspired. Um, it's exciting. It was really really fun, uh, and I really tried to bring in a lot of elements from various like versions that I thought mm-hmm. would be really cool. Yeah. The poetic, I mean, the 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 imagery of her being in the flower of poppies as opposed to just regular flowers is like It's yeah. perfect. I was like I have to include this for sure. Yeah. It's um, so good. It's also so edge lord the one black flower, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It is. <laughs> it really is. Um, so yeah, so I'm really, really excited about how well this round of Gods is going. I mean, Ares, Aphrodite, and Hermes were great. Um, Mm -hmm. but they're like, they were, they're big league heavy hitter favorites of a lot of people. And I was really scared to fuck them up. And I was also like, just kind of scrambling a couple times to finish scripts and stuff. And I was like, oh, this is stressful. But I'm really enjoying this round because I feel like as well-known as Demeter, Persephone, and Hecate are, they're just not that well-known. Like, there's just so much about them you can still dig and reveal, you know, which is wild. Also, they're kind of like our homegirls, I feel like. Like, we're definitely like, you know, the underworld, the underworld ladies are like, it's okay. (laughs) Yeah. We can all hang out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We can chill. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, somebody who enjoys gardening and isn't afraid of death yeah, is something exactly. I vibe with really hard. Yo, so. yeah. <laughs> same. Big it's so same. true. Gardening. <laughs> it is. It's all gardening and death. It's beautiful. You remember how our old backyard used to look and what we used to do with our garden. Yeah. I miss it. I yeah. miss it bad. It was great. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah, it was, it was really the cool. only time I ever enjoyed the summer because I was yeah. I enjoyed gardening and I was just yeah. growing all kinds of shit. And so, it was also a super again. cool like setup for it, too. It, it really was. was. I mean, it was the worst shithole apartment in the world. And then, <laughs> but we had the backyard, which but was But you had a big, huge. such a big space outside. Huge. Oh, it was great. It's bigger could, than my we backyard. We genuinely here. could have had a dog. Like we could yeah, have had a fucking for dog sure, with that backyard for sure. in the yeah. in like Bushwick. How does that happen? But yeah, you know. yeah. Well, I'm excited. These have been really fun, and next week is going to be fucking awesome. Yo, Hecate, yeah. y'all are not ready. That's my that's my fucking so that's my sister. That's like that's like the one for me. That's the Hecate one I've been waiting is for. Rad. She's like, yeah. I'm super super excited to, to talk about stuff. her. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. also, I, I'm really excited to talk about her strictly based on myths and not modern neo-paganism. Because well, same. Exactly. You have to separate of, like, that a lot. Ugh, there's a lot of stuff that's just been thrown on her that I'm like, oh my god, you gotta be kidding me. So, yeah. Did I show you all what I ended up, ended up doing with the skull, like, final product? No. No. Oh, okay. It, it's directly related to Hecate. Um, I'll, I'll take a picture of it and put it in the group chat. Cool. Uh, Just a heads up if you're listening to this and you're also a fan of Hecate and or if you're a witch, please be very careful about what sources you consult in terms of wanting to, like, be a, de- a devotee of hers. Like, there's, like, a book that's really popular called, like, Keeping Her Keys, and they actually have the fucking nerve to say that her three primary sacred herbs are, get this, I feel like even you two are going to go, there's no fucking way. They have the nerve to say that her three sacred herbs are bay laurel, 
Bay Laurel. Mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. White Sage and oh. Mugwort. <laughs> Wait. And I'm like, bro, like, not in any what? world. First of all, let's talk about what doesn't grow in Greece. Let's yeah, start with yeah. that. Okay. I was just thinking that. I was and like, well, how are these? Where are these? Bay Laurel, which is the fucking sacred the, plant of, of Apollo. Apollo. Apollo, yeah. yeah. What would that have and to it's do like, with Hecate? You're like, and oh, it's like my victory and Greek stuff, herb. right? Like, it's right. that seems so wrong for her. That's like the most. She's so private and like spooky and, and like underground not, and, and underground solar, and that's and like, not, like when I think Olympic of a Bay games. Laurel. Obviously, that's like my fucking namesake. I'm literally named like after it. But it's like, it, yeah, that's like you're at the Olympic Games getting a fucking crown put on your head, like which could not be, and nothing could be less Hecate. <laughs> like that's just so incorrect. <laughs> that's wild. They must have some well, weird I, rationalization, but I'm wondering. Yeah. yeah, exactly. What are they saying? Like, what could they say to make that a viable thing? The, that's it's like totally bullshit. wrong. It's just bullshit. It's just people spinning yeah. bullshit. It's just Greek because stuff. Anybody can get a fucking book deal and they can write whatever they want. And this is why I tell all of my fucking, all of my students, I tell them, listen, anytime you ever want to buy a spell book, buy a fucking history book. You'll learn so much more about yeah. witchcraft and magic from what people did in the past than what some asshole threw together in a book. And, you know, based on what, bro? Like, what? You're not citing your sources. You're not saying anything. These are her three sacred herbs. Where are you getting that from, bro? Where is that coming from? Do you have a source? Is that from a Homeric hymn? Is it from the Orphic Mysteries? Is it from the Eleusinian Mysteries? Where are you getting this from? Name one of the sources. Yeah. Name (laughs) any ancient source that attests to this. Yeah. And I'll be like, cool, you're right. Like, no, you can't do it. That one just doesn't even make sense, though. That's just, like, wild. That's just, like, Greek sounding. Like, They're just like, here's something that sounds kind of Greek. White sage. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that grows in Europe. White sage? Yeah. yeah that was, that's all over Europe. That's, that's what I was like, white sage? Does white sage grow witchy. in Greece? Yeah. I was like, that just sounds like... Like, oh, this, what is, are the, this is the generic fucking intro witchy just, herb that everybody's that told just yeah, sounds I was going to say, what are the Wicca herbs? <laughs> Right. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna all say white sage just sounds them. like they're like that's all you've heard of or right. something, and right. then like yeah, it's wild. Whoa, what? Well, what was that? Are you okay? Yo, crazy. What Big is ass that? Thunderclap. No, that's thunder. Is there a thunderstorm yeah. coming? Yeah, there's a thunderstorm. Just, my whole apartment just rumbled. Wow, you did just get the loud. I heard the. It like did the zoom it, it like, thing where it kind of pulled it away. Went from it went out. But yeah, it went out. Yeah. Did yeah. you did you see the flash? No. no. There was a big flash of lightning. And I was oh, like, what? severe and then as soon thunderstorm. What? Yeah, we have we have it. We even have it up here. We are on watch, and we're two hours north of you. Or Bro, actually let me more. tell you something right now. This explains everything. The way that my <laughs> arthritis has been acting up yeah. today, bitch. Uh, my yeah. fucking joints are on some other shit today, and I actually am me not too. Happy. That makes a lot of sense. And I'm yeah. like, oh, cool. <laughs> I I always forget that my bones know the weather, and I never listen yeah. to them. And I'm like, no, I'm just always in pain. And it's like, no. You're at like an eight out of it's ten climbing because it's fucking the sky's about to piss all over the place. So anyway, on that note, on that note, <laughs> um, all right, rad. Well, everybody, thanks again for tuning in to this episode. We had a really great time tackling Persephone, the queen of the end of the world. Queen, what is happening? Queen, queen of, the, of the end of the world. Yeah, right. The under, the upside under down the world. The underwear world. Under the yeah. world. <laughs> 
So if you want to get a hold of us and talk to us and tell us you like the show or ask us questions about future episodes, you can hit us up at whengodwasqueer at gmail.com on IG and TikTok at whengodwasqueer. And you can also leave us a voice note like the one that you heard in the intro to today's episode at anchor.fm slash whengodwasqueer. And all that leaves us with is our cacophony of queerness. So... Be gay! Be gay! Do cry! Do cry! The gods yes. are always watching! The gods are always watching. always watching! And they're not always looking down from above. Sometimes, Sometimes they're looking up. I was about to say the up. same thing. Isn't that funny? I literally was thinking the same thing. They're watching from behind you. They're sometimes watching from below. Right now. <laughs> yeah. And some of them are staring at you from the deep, dark woods. And they're looking up your skirt. Yeah. <laughs> Careful. If you look into the face of evil, sometimes it might look back. Some of them are already inside your brain. That's it. Well, before we all heed the call of Cthulhu, we're going to go. Bye! Bye! Bye.